Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Snap, the Saturday Night Adult Party here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? I am your host, Victor Gouveia, and of course, I'm introducing my co-host, as lovely as ever, Monica Jones. How are you, Monica? Hello. Hello. Any luck with with sex this week? Uh, No, I have the same luck as always. Gotcha. Luckless. Yeah, well, we keep rooting for you, sweetie. We keep rooting for you. Yeah. Um, just root toward me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Snap is sponsored by Eden Fantasies. To upgrade your sex experience, visit Eden Fantasies today at EdenFantasies.com. And Fantasies is with an SYS. And right now, for the next 48 hours, you can get. 20 free gifts on, I don't know what your order is. Actually, I should confirm that, but I can't do it now. Anyway, um, but yeah, you can get 20 free gifts. At least that's the message I got. <laughs> um, and you can get a dollar five discount on any order with the code SPOOKY5 and $10 over any order, $59 or more using the code SCARY5. Is that uh, one word? Yes, that's all one word. SPOOKY5 and SCARY5. Yeah. Uh, No, sorry, SCARY10. I apologize. Yes, SCARY10. Yeah, uh, they have some great stuff on their site, uh, including some interesting toys I just read up on on the latest uh, email. So definitely go check that out. And, uh, you know, Monica, have you visited them at all yet? Uh, not in the last few days. Yeah. I mean, have you been, have you gotten interested in any of the toys? Oh, yeah. You have, yeah? A matter matter of fact, maybe next week I'll come up here and talk about some things I find. Oh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's all one can (laughs) ask. (laughs) Okay, let me, let me open up my email. Uh okay. Okay. Uh thank you. Okay, so I am primed for anyone who wants to come in. Let's check the message. Okay, no comments yet. Okay. Well, we haven't said anything yet. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying somebody might might come up, come in and pop up and say hi, just to let us know they're there listening, that sort of thing. That happens every once in a while. 
Uh, a word of warning, ladies and gentlemen. Snap is a completely adult-themed show. We are going to be using explicit language, which means when we refer to penises, we're going to say cocks or dicks. When we refer to vaginas, we are going to talk about pussies and or cunts and, and clits and all that nifty shit. And of course, when we talk about sex or intercourse, we're going to call it sex or fucking or doing the, what is it, the... The monster with two backs. That's it. isn't that it? What it's called? Huh? <laughs> yeah, there's some. Apparently, it's called. Yeah, the 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 monkey with two backs. <laughs> the monkey with two backs. Yeah, apparently something like that. I I have it on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember the saying at this point. But yeah, remember uh, if you like what you're about to hear, activate that like button. And share it with your friends and family, especially if you think they can benefit from anything we say here. And ab above all else, subscribe. Making sure you activate that notification bell on so you know when we go live or upload a new video. Additionally, we are streaming live on our Facebook page and on Twitter at Blind Who's. Uh, so make sure you activate the notification bell on each of those. Otherwise, you won't know when we go live. Um, having said that, if you don't like listening to us live, you can catch us on podcasts, whether you have an Apple device, a Google device, a Windows device, even a humanware line of players. Just go to your podcast section or podcast app and look for us. Whose blind life is it anyway? If you want to ask Alexa to pick us up, she'll do that too. Just ask her to play Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And she'll go out and find you all the episodes we have out there. And she'll play without stopping too, unless you stop her. <laughs> yeah. And and we have, about, we have about 209 episodes uh, published so far. And it's growing day by day. Yeah, uh, Alexa, she'll just keep on listening for days. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> remember, if you want a copy of the audio or video of this show or any show broadcast on this network, send us a message. Whose blind life is it anyway? At gmail.com. And we will send you out a folder link that on Dropbox that houses all the episodes we broadcast on the network. So we've had a terrible couple of years. I don't have to tell you about COVID-19 and the lockdowns and, you know, the emergency services, all that stuff. But even worse are issues with mental health. Now I am I am going to be having in a few weeks an interview with a couple of women 
that specifically have issues with mental health. They aren't visually impaired or blind, but they do have issues with mental health. And I'm interviewing them to find out what their experiences were in the mental health system up here. But the other side of that, and I didn't know this, did you know that every second over five women call 911 to report domestic violence? Yes. And that's in the U.S. And one in three women and one in four guys, guys, will experience some type of domestic violence over the course of their lifetime. Now, that is scary. Yes, it is. And if you've I mean, never been through domestic violence, it's... Right. I mean, what prompted, what prompted me to do an episode of this tonight was the conversation I had with these two women, uh, both of whom are amazingly uh, strong to have gone through what they did. Uh, we're talking men who held, I mean, what's the deal with guys and knives? I mean, apparently guys held knives to their throats and threatened to kill them. And I mean, apparently it's not limited to just one particular culture. No, rich and poor. That's right. That's Black right. and white. So if you think you're exempt from all of this, think again. I mean... It's amazing how serious this stuff is. Beth Tarazi, thank you, honey, for watching. She says, good statistics. We're glad to have you, Beth. I'm sorry? I just told her we were glad to have her. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here too, guys. Uh, Beth, thank you for watching. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one in three women and one in four men over the course of their lifetimes. I mean, I expected numbers around one in 10, maybe two in 10 men, but I never expected one in four at all, let alone one in three. Um. On top no, of that, I expect that either on the men. Yeah, yeah. And um, on top of everything, um, I mean, five women call 911 every second, every second. And that's just in the US. I mean, if you combine Canada and Mexico, in other words, all of North America, I can imagine the numbers will be staggering. But that's not all. You have to figure that at least 
35% of abused women and 65, if not 85% of abused men don't report. They silently sit at home and take it. And if they do report it, a lot of times they'll drop the charges. Well, not necessarily drop the charges, but... Yes, they do. For various reasons, the the person never ends up going to jail. Whether no, it's... No, but I'm saying... A lot sorry, of the go time ahead. They, a lot of the times, Victor, they do drop the charges. They, they'll... They'll go and they'll charge them and then they'll decide to feel sorry for them and not charge them. Uh, I mean, uh, dismiss the charges. I've seen it happen. I grew up in this stuff. I know. Really? Right, but we're not talking back in the 60s anymore. No, but it's still the same thing. Women still do it. But in the 60s, yeah, but you have to remember, in the 50s and 60s, okay, it was up to the discretion of the police officers whether they took a guy in for domestic violence or a woman, Um, for that matter. Now, there's it's not up to their discretion at all, at least not here in Canada. Even back then, I mean, back then, a a woman could file charges. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen too many times, Victor, I know. No, no, sweetheart, I'm not saying women couldn't file charges. I'm just saying that if a woman blamed a guy or, or said a guy beat her up and she didn't have a mark on her that the cops could see... They could say, well, you know, we, we're we not going to take him in. They could yeah. decline to take the guy in. Here, it's an automatic thing. They have to take the abuser in if they're called on scene and there's a report of domestic violence. I think it's that way here too now. Yeah. But back but in the 50s and 60s, there was no such thing. In fact, I'd imagine deep down in the South, I mean, I know for a fact it was like that here. So I can only imagine that deep down in the South, in your neck of the woods, it would have been worse. Yeah, and sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the women would file charges and they and they wouldn't even... They wouldn't even what? They wouldn't even, you know, I, I know mama, sometimes she would start to file charges against daddy. Uh-huh. And she would file charges against him, but then she would turn around and drop them. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that happen with women so many times. It's just it's disgusting. And if you're a child growing up in that situation, it's rough. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and the worst part is, you know, there are various reasons they, they have for not filing charges. 
for example, in some cases, they think they can't make it without the person's income, for example. Or they can't make the rent because that person's income is no longer there. Um, they might be scared of reprisals, for example, from the, the other person, the partner. Um, I mean, I can oh, name... true. Yeah, I, I mean, I can name one person who not only had a knife held up to her throat, but also had her newborn baby uh, threatened as well. In other words, she was holding him in her arms and he was threatening to kill her. So... And that wasn't the worst of it. I mean, the worst was when he pimped her out to get drugs. Yeah, I've seen that happen. I mean, down in it's, the community where I grew up, there was a man who did that. Yeah, pimping women out. Yeah. It's amazing that. Men have the balls to do that. Now, I have to give Daddy credit, if you want to call it that. He he never did anything to my brother and me, but he always pounded Mama to death at doing some of the same things you were talking about, putting knives to her throat. and Yeah. Yeah. Choking her and Okay, Annabelle says hello. Huh? Oh, they do indeed Yeah, Beth Beth says they do indeed drop charges. It happened to a buddy of hers. They told <clears> you. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying they don't drop charges. On the contrary, I think it's rampant. Um, a lot of times, just, the sorry, go ahead. You just, I guess, I'm, I'm really super sensitive to this issue. Mm -hmm. It, um, you know, it, it still affects me even today and I'm 63 years young mm -hmm. and you know I you, it's not something that you get over yeah Beth says women therapy women still report it today and this guy beat up a buddy of hers and US police didn't do anything No, see, that's the way that that's what I was getting at while ago. It, it happens that way. And she says Shania Twain's memoirs also have uh, uh, accusations of domestic abuse. I mean, that's that. I mean, 
it's I mean I I I I I've heard as a counselor I've had counseling sessions with both victims and perpetrators and I have to say in some cases the perpetrators didn't know they did anything wrong because that was the way their parents treated each other. Which is mind-blowing. But also, I mean, you have to wonder, it's no wonder these people are all fucked up. That's that's the way my, treat, my parents treated each other, but I knew the difference. I knew it wasn't the way to treat somebody. Right. Well, how about your brother, though? What about him? Maybe my, he my thought was it was normal. Just... You're forgetting my brother was severely mentally challenged. Right, which made him more susceptible to thinking it was normal. He, what he did, he didn't really think, I don't think he thought it was normal. I don't think he thought one way or the other when it, like that, except that just when, I, I think he thought it was like a party. Because right. when, when daddy would be wailing the tar out of mama, mm -hmm. uh, he would laugh because he thought it was a game. Yeah, he thought they, they were just romping around. And again, I mean, that, that makes it even worse because he could be playing with friends and start beating them up for no reason whatsoever and think it's a game. Well, no, that didn't happen. Never happened? No, that didn't happen. Now, sometimes when he'd have his temper fits, um, he'd hit me or scratch me or whatever, but that was just the way he was before they even started fighting. He just, uh, you know, he would get re he'd get really mad sometimes, and and as right. he got got older, his 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 temper fits got worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did it ever calm down at all? What? His temper fits. Huh. His his when he was little. It when he was little, it wasn't so bad. But the older he got, like uh -huh. in his forties and stuff, it just it got so bad we couldn't handle him. Right. We was had, he? We had to put him. We had to put him in a group home. Yeah. Was he uh, large by male standards? Um, he wasn't the biggest man in the world, but he was kind of large. The thing is, he was strong. I mean, when I'm he got mad, uh, when 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 he he got angry, uh -huh. um, see, I couldn't handle him because he was so quick that I couldn't see him and I could get hurt. Yeah. And that's the now, issue, isn't time, it? 
there was a time that I could handle him, but it, it got to where I couldn't. And mm-hmm. so, and then daddy got down and got sick. He couldn't handle him. So that's when we had to put him in the group home, which right. we never wanted to do. We always wanted to keep him with us. And neither daddy nor I could handle him. Right, right. Can I ask how much, would he just lash out blindly or would he actually go after a specific person he was aiming at? Uh, no, he usually wouldn't. He usually wouldn't get up and go anywhere. Um, if he, in other words, he would just push, like brush you off, type type thing, but roughly. Uh, yeah, if you were, well, if you were there in his way, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and and. I mean, we're kind of chuckling right now because it, it sounds kind of funny, but in the heat of the moment, it really isn't. No, it's it it, it wasn't funny at all. But and but, Daddy, um, you know, it, it just it's it's funny to me how some people will beat up the wife and the kids, but mm-hmm. then some people are like Daddy, and he just attacks the wife. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's and it's funny a lot of a lot of wives who have kids don't leave because of the kids uh but i think that a lot of times they use the kids as a crutch well that's it isn't it i think my mother used us as a crutch and I got mad and told her that one time. Um, you told who? Mama that uh-huh. that she that she she wasn't doing it for us. Right. That she was using us as a crutch because she didn't want to be without daddy. Sure. And um and it wasn't because of you know finances or anything like that because she was working to support the family anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it got to a point where he stopped working and he just You're laid dead. on his ass and drank beer all day long. Your dad, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she could have left, but she didn't. And she, she didn't want see, to because Mama, of you guys? Mama was the type woman that she absolutely had to have a man she Mm -hmm. wasn't happy unless she had a man and uh, you know i want a man too but i'm not so lonely that i just i'm just gonna stay with a man that you know treats me every kind of way but but i told her that i said you know you're not doing it for us you're you're doing it for you it's a crutch because you can't stand to be without him. Or without a man, period. We, yeah, we, and uh, because you know, she'd leave him. Uh, and uh, family members would help her move out. 
and then she'd go right back to him the next day or the day after. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, a lot of people we say that it's easy that people should just pick up and go, but a lot of women don't know how to do that. They're afraid. Oh yeah. They're afraid to stand up to the person. They're afraid to call the cops. They're afraid of what comes next. That's the big one. Because no one ever thinks that, yes, I'd rather spend spend a night, a night or two or even a month in a shelter uh, rather than get beat up by my husband. At least that's the reports I got. Well, and back then, you didn't have shelters. In a lot of, yeah, you're right. There were, there weren't women's shelters like there are now. In fact, most of them just popped up in the last 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Um, so in your day and time, they were practically non-existent. Am I right about that? Sounds so ancient. <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately, we have to admit, fifty or sixties are, uh, you know, are ancient to me. God, I can't even remember my seventies, let alone your sixties. <laughs> but amazingly, I remember them only too well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I and that's it, isn't it? It stays in you. How yeah, how they treated saying, each other. It, it's not something you get over. I mean, I've had therapy uh, off and on during my life at times. And, uh, you know, it's helped. But you, you just, it's still there. You just don't get over it. She says domestic violence is no game. The guy, the guy who beat up her friend stalks girls, and Beth doesn't think it's a it, it's a game. Oh no, it, it it certainly isn't. Yeah, yeah. There's apparently a, a place in Denver called Safe House Denver. that women can go to if they're being abused? But, you know, uh, the way my parents fought, and uh -huh. mama, she tried, you know, she tried her best to fight back. And, right. <laughs> uh, and she got in her licks, but, I, you know, I could have charged. I could have got you front row seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? At the community center where I was working, we had a really good model. We had both legal, medical, and social services in our location. So they would come to me, and if they told me about their abuse, I would first and foremost take them to the health unit 
and make sure they were okay. And then from there, we'd go upstairs to the legal clinic and talk about their rights. And, you know, there was a whole lot of, of intricacies involved. I would tell them what they could expect. I would tell them how could, how, you know, what happens when something gets done, if something gets done. And that's the thing. I never knew. My, my issue was that, I mean, I couldn't, at the beginning when I first got out of school, my first reaction to any man that beat up a woman or a child was to kill them. To show the man that this is what you're doing. I mean, thank God I've grown since then. And I did develop emotional skills that allowed me to compartmentalize my feelings and move them out of the, the job. But when I got home, I mean, my mother would see me crying. And I would tell her, you know, I, I would tell her I felt so helpless. Even though these women and, and children were coming to me. And I felt helpless because I didn't think I was doing enough. Well, with me, even today, you know, even though that I know that the abuser needs help. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I try to think of that first, but then I'm still, uh, my mind, there's that part of my mind that wants to kill them, whether it's a man or a woman, that's <laughs> doing the music. I, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I kind of, it's kind of like both things go, go through my mind. I can have compassion and, and know that they need help. Mm -hmm. But then there's that part of me that says, I'd like to kill that bastard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard. It takes, I mean, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of strength for me to be able to do that. To just separate my feelings like that. To know that this person is here for me to counsel them, not for me to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and, you know, at that instant, I don't care if I lose my job. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it hits you like that. You just. Yeah. And, and, and the worst part is 
at that exact moment, I don't care if I go to jail. But then I think, well, how am I going to help the victim by beating this person up? I kind of try to rationalize the val the violence that I want to to do. And when you're the one that's had the violence done to you, it's hard to rationalize. I mean, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, as the I've counselor. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm talking about from. The, the the perspective of the person that's being abused mm -hmm. it, it it's hard to rationalize i mean i can do it but it's hard and the worst part I've is on that side you know there's even a bad part to that because a lot of women do rationalize it and a lot of women blame themselves oh yeah thinking they deserve to get hit because they did something wrong. And, and, and nobody ever tells them that, no, they didn't deserve it because they're too embarrassed to tell anyone about it. Yeah, but, but you see, a lot of the times, I mean, people see it anyway. And they'll try to tell them. They tried to tell my mother. Uh -huh. I mean, because you you couldn't miss it. She'd go around with swollen face and black eyes and uh, her nose nearly broke and her ribs broke. And... Yeah, and... and... One thing we did was have group sessions, which is interesting because I hate group sessions. Yeah. Uh, for myself, rather. Um, if I'm in therapy, I hate doing group sessions because I always concentrate on everyone else's issues as opposed to my own. But in the group setting, it was doubly hard for me because I couldn't relate with anyone sitting there. I was trying to feel empathy for these people. But you, yeah, what in the situation you had been in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I felt more empathy towards the f women and the children who are being abused. And like I said, a lot of women rationalize themselves staying because they have to protect the child. Or they have to... I don't know, stay in the house. 
They don't want to lose the apartment. They don't want to lose the house that they're living in, the home. I mean, they they don't want to make enemies, that sort of thing. See, I understand all that. But, but. my mother had places she could go. She Such had as. a job. She it was just her need. And I'm not putting her down because she had that need. Because mm -hmm. Lord knows she went through a lot. She had a nervous breakdown and it but she couldn't let him go. Finally she did. But then when she did let him go, they both blamed me because their marriage fell apart. They did? Yes. But did they blame you for the violence and the abuse? They, they blamed me um, by telling me that if it wasn't for me, they would have still been together. Right, but that doesn't answer the question. Did they blame you for being violent to each other as being the cause, you being the cause of the violence between each other? No. But in a way, I guess they did because um, they weren't together where they could keep pounding on each other. So, well, no, they don't. Too. No, I mean, if you're the cause of the breakup, you aren't, and not necessarily the cause of the violence. I think the two are very separate things. Well, they are. But I'm just saying. In a way, maybe I was because they were mad because they couldn't be together to beat up each other anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, you lost me somehow. What I'm saying is, I understand your question, but I'm just mm -hmm. saying that part of the reason that they blamed me was because they weren't together to where they could still beat up on each other anymore. Okay, but how is that blaming you for the violence? Because or blaming you together, as the cause of the violence? See, my, 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 my thinking is this. They're not saying that you were the cause of the violence. You were the cause of the breakup. Yeah. But not the cause of the violence. But part of the reason they're mad at me is because they weren't together anymore to where they could beat up on each other. So if you look at it from that perspective, they were. But you really think that's what they thought? I don't know what the hell they thought, Victor. If you get back down, if you get right down to it, but I know all I know is I had nightmares. 
because they blamed me. Did they actually did they actually say that you were the reason they beat up on each other? I just told you no. No. But they did tell you you were the reason that they broke up. Oh yeah. Did you ask them how? No, they told me how. How was that? When one night they called me in. I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. They called me in and they were asking me what they should do about their marriage. Asking a 14-year-old child what they should do about their marriage. And, and I told them, do? I told them, I said, well, look, you know, if you stay together, you're going to kill each other. And then where will me and Jeff be? I said, at least if you divorce, maybe you'll both still be alive. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to leave each other. I, I went to I went to camp that week, and when I came home, they she had left him, but she took a couple more beatings that week before she did leave him. Mm -hmm. And and so. They threw that conversation up to me when they would when they would blame me. How did you feel throughout the whole camping trip? Um, felt good to get away. Mm hmm. And then when I when the week was over, I went back home to the same old feelings again, and you know. And where was your brother at the time? Um, when we, Mama and Daddy had put him in um, a residential facility uh, when he was nine. Mm -hmm. Because they thought the place, he couldn't go to the school for the blind because uh you know, you had to be blind at that time. You couldn't go if you were uh, mentally retarded or uh, had some other kind of multi-handicap. Mm -hmm. And um, before anybody disses me, back then that's what they called it, mental retardation. And I'm not being ugly when I use that term. But that's what they called it back then. Yeah, but challenged. Yeah, but we warned these fuckers we'd be talking bad. Well, I'm just kind of reiterating it. Yeah, don't worry. You I, don't I, have to censor I probably, yourself. I, I, I think I probably have a feeling that I shouldn't be here tonight. Why is that? 
well, because um, 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 I've worked up a lot of anger and hostility, and um, I don't think that um, being objective, and I and I want to be. That's the that Nobody's... was my mindset when I came in here tonight, but. See now, what I'm doing is I'm reliving all this shit, and but nobody's asking you to be objective. No, but as a co-host, no, someone, no, someone no, who wants, no, no, you are a human co-host, not a machine. But someone who wants to help other people, be compassionate with other people, because I've been through it. Then, you know, I'm just not doing a very good job. It doesn't matter if you've been through it or not. The fact is, you experienced it. That's why you're here. People have to realize that there are consequences to their actions. You happen to be one of those consequences. Your brother is one of those consequences. Yeah. And I spent my life protecting him. And yourself. Yeah. But mostly him. Him and my mother. You protected your mother? Yes. Because I jumped right in the fight. And I got hit. And, you know. How did you, do you know how? I almost how got cut with a knife. <laughs> huh? Do you know how your dad felt after he, he would hit you? I think at the time, see, he, he, I don't, he didn't hit me as hard as he hit her. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time, his deal was, "You're not twenty-one yet, and you're mine, and I can do whatever I want to with you." Mm -hmm. But how would you feel or react to that attitude? I'd haul off and hit him back with my fist. <laughs> Did it do any damage? Anything to keep him away from mama. I, I, I took a lot of hits to save her. And but it didn't really help because you know he'd go right back to hitting her. Mm -hmm. and, but you know, I, I felt like I had to try, and because the first time to give y'all a little bit of what kids go through, 
the first time that happened, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was shocked. It was, um, he, he, he knocked her down like three times and, and slapping around on her and she got away from him and they went out the door fighting mm-hmm. and came back in fighting. But, um, what happened with me is I was standing in the floor mm. and it was that we're in the living room and I was seven years old. I was shocked, but then I felt like I should be doing something to protect my mama, but I couldn't move. And mm-hmm. because I couldn't move, I felt guilty for years and I had to take a lot of therapy for that. And, um, was you know, like was my your... therapist said, the fact that you couldn't move probably saved your life. And I said, yeah, rationally, I know that. But so then when I was like 12, I started jumping in the fracas. Mm-hmm. Was your brother there at uh, when you were seven? Yeah. How old was he? Four. And where was he at the time? Um, he was in his bed. So he wouldn't get up with the ruckus? No. He just, uh, now a lot of times he'd be sitting on the couch. And, you know, if, and, and he'd hear, he, he would hear, him knocking her around and everything and he would laugh because he thought they were dancing or rumping or you know mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because they they'd have people there and they'd listen to records and dance and you know they'd make a lot of noise when they dance so i think that's what he thought was happening right and at some point did you ever disabuse him of that notion Uh, No, because once the connection was broken, you know, you know, that I couldn't, I couldn't make him understand, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I couldn't say to him, you know, they were fighting Mm -hmm. the other night, they weren't dancing. Mm-hmm. Because he wouldn't, un- he 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 didn't understand that. He just knew what he heard at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, he was smart. But in some ways, you know, that you couldn't get through to him. I mean, like he knew what he liked, and he knew what he didn't like, and he knew what he wanted, and what he didn't want, and you know, that sort of thing. But when it came to any kind of deep thinking or trying to analyze something for him, it it, it didn't work. I have a confession to make. Okay. Do you know how 
you just said maybe you shouldn't be here. What's your confession? You agree? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to confess that I feel the same way. You feel that you shouldn't be here? Mm-hmm. Why? Because in 30 years, I have not been able to completely sever my feelings from domestic violence cases. Well, and I'm not sure I ever will. Well, it sounds like that you've been there for a lot of those people. I'd like to think so, but, well, I'm, I mean, I really have no proof of that. I'm sorry if I made you feel that. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm telling you so you understand you aren't alone in how you feel by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. A lot of people feel the same way you do on both sides of the fence, both on the helper angle and on a victim's angle. That may be small solace, but it is a connection. No, oh, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I. It, it it's good to have that connection, that support. Having said that, there are things that people should think about when they decide if they're going to stay or go from relationships like that. Yeah, for there are one a lot thing, of women. sorry, go ahead. I was just was gonna say, yeah, there's there's a lot of women who just can't pick up and leave, you know, readily, mm -hmm. or they think they can't. But I'm, I think I'm talking, uh, I'm talking about this more towards those who rationalize reasons to stay. To stay, yeah. In some cases, and I'm going to call them victims because That's what whether they they're whether they're male or female, some of them f tend to think the same way from a victim standpoint. And a lot of them think that, you know, at some point they'll change. Yeah, they always hope for that. They hope they'll change. They can help them change. 
or they apologize and buy flowers and buy gifts and they buy the love back. Yeah. Or even if they don't do that, they, oh, I love you, honey, and it won't ever happen again. And the person stays with them. Mm-hmm. And but see, sorry, go ahead. Quick, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Some women also think that it's not bad and I have to stay because he's abusing me instead of the children. So if anything, they have to stay at least to protect the children. The one thing people don't think about is that if they're being violent with you, they are eventually going to graduate to the children. You would think that. And I remember growing up, I used to wonder if he wouldn't, but he never did. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that was because he was abused when he was a child. But then I. Do you think he was taking out his abuses on your mother? He probably was, but I know. Um, yeah, he had, I mean, his, his, his parents didn't abuse him. But he had an uncle, and he when I was when I was a little girl, he wouldn't let me hang around that uncle. Um, mm -hmm. His uncle Tommy, he he um, I had been at his house playing with uh, my cousin Teresa, mm -hmm. and he decided to take me down to the pond and let me fish, mm -hmm. and. Um, so he got my little fishing rod and everything all hooked up and and I was sitting down there and daddy came and saw me sitting there with him and he jerked me up and took me home. Oh, and I cried and I had a fit. <laughs> but mm, you know, at the time, see, I didn't know that uh, Uncle Tommy had abused him when he was little. I didn't find that out till I was older. Abused him how? Sexually or physically? Uh, always wanting to whip him. And oh, okay. So, but then when he, when daddy finally got up bigger, he told him that wasn't going to happen. That was the last time he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, Tommy left him alone after that, but um, you know, he used to kind of rough him up. And so I think that made him sensitive to children. Mm -hmm. But see, I don't know where 
they they were married for eight years and he never hit her one time but then when he started drinking and staying out all night and cheating with his other woman um or his bitches i've heard some call him <laughs> um mm. then um you know, when he started drinking, that's when he started hitting on him and seeing, mm -hmm. you know, and seeing that other woman. That's when it all started. And at what point did, did, I mean, did, did your uncle ever, well, give you the sense that he would harm you? No. Mm -mm. I mean, I never was afraid of him or anything. He just... So your dad's fears were irrational then? Probably, yeah. Did you ever tell him that? Telling what that his no, no. I mean, what happened after that day? Were you allowed well, to see, go back I, to talk to him at all? Um. Yeah, I spent the night at their house a lot because uh -huh. um, you know my cousin Teresa was there, played with her a lot, and um, her sister Darlene. And, um, so I was there a lot, but I just, I never was in a situation where I was alone with Tommy mm -hmm. after that. And I think that's what daddy didn't want. He didn't want me to be alone with him. Mm -hmm. But see, I didn't find out this stuff until like I was probably in my forties. Right. And so... And I have, I mean, I have to apologize to my audience because I didn't think I'd have such a strong reaction to this topic. As I said, I've had, I've had training in this, in separating my feelings. Well, trainers are human. I mean, and that, yeah, and and that's it, isn't it? No matter how much we we fight it, we're going to feel. Yeah, because see, I came in here thinking, well, this is a good topic, and it is a good topic, mm -hmm. but I was thinking that, hey, you know. Maybe You'd be more be more objective, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can be a support to somebody who's been through it or going through it or mm -hmm. uh, who's been either on either end of the spectrum. But then mainly what I've done is sat here and gotten angry and blew up about my own past. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's true. And, and 
instead of talking to you about it, I just want to go over there and give you a hug and say it's going to be okay. And it's not going to be okay. I bet I'll still take the hug. I wish I could give it to you. I'll give you one back because you're terrific. But. And the people mm. you counseled have been lucky to have you for that. I don't know if they'd think so. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they would. I mean, the one thing I hated doing was the paperwork. But it saved my my job in a lot of ways. Because there were things that came up in court that I simply just couldn't remember. And if I hadn't taken notes, the person, the abusers might have gotten off. Well, it would have been, you wouldn't have had anything to show. And I urge people who are going through this to <clears throat> excuse me take notes I mean get yourself a diary and always make sure that Somebody's got a copy of that diary. Someone you trust. Someone you can... You can... Someone you know is going to have your back. That's a good idea, but... Because even if... Even if they're not standing between you and the abuser... Sorry, bear with me. Sorry. Even if they're not standing between you and the abuser, they can make sure that abuser isn't going to get away with anything. Yeah. Now, I kept a diary uh, when I was an adolescent, when I was a teenager. I took it though for for not that reason um because um i took it i kept a diary because it helped me channel those feelings it it helped me to do something with them mm -hmm. and were you able i mean how old were you when you moved out of your parents house when i did what i'm sorry Couldn't when you moved out of your parents home um Well, when I moved out completely, um, I guess I was about 21, but I, you know, I, I graduated school and then I, um, you know, I went on to school in Alabama and um, 
So I guess really when I was 18, but, um, you know, they were divorced at the time. And uh, mainly I was staying with, uh, I was staying with daddy because I had my grandmother as a cushion. Sure. Um, you know, mama started drinking and well, she'd been drinking, but when she divorced, when she divorced daddy and she married this man that she married, mm. everything he did was right. And everything I did was wrong. And I mean, she just got to where she was harping on me all the time and mm. accusing me of stuff that I didn't do. So, uh, I left and went to stay with, uh, uh, daddy now he drank too but I had my grandmother there and and he didn't drink when he was in her house but right. you know I, when I didn't want to go with him somewhere I had her and she raised me from the time from I was time I was 15 until I was 18 and then they got back together when I was 20, 19. Mm-hmm. How do you now feel? They got back, huh? Sorry, I thought you were done. Go ahead. Uh, well, I thought I was too, and then I just thought of something. Well, mm-hmm. now when they, they got back together uh, when I was 19, and then they divorced again 21 years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and they didn't drink. Well, he didn't drink. And he had stopped drinking and, you know, kind of turned his life around. So, you know, he wasn't beating up on her then. But. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when something went, some little something went wrong in the marriage or whatever, she would start drinking again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the marriage didn't have a chance, really. He just. How do you feel right now? I feel a lot of things right now. I feel kind of sad. Um, I'm angry. Um, And I didn't expect to be angry tonight. And Mm -hmm. I feel empathy toward people who've been in this kind of situation, whether they're the one who's been abused or whether they are the abuser. And I had a husband who was about to turn into an abuser. He forced himself on me one night. And he'd gotten to a point where he was, you know, he'd come and stand right up in my face and sling his arms at me and everything. And Mm -hmm. You know, I I knew, and then when he forced himself on me, I knew it was time for me to go. Right. See, and I and I often you you're asking me how I felt. Here's how I feel about 
myself, I'm wondering if all of that isn't partly responsible for why uh, my marriages didn't last. Um, did I get fed up too quick? Was I too quick to leave and stay gone? Um, you know, I, I often think about that and I, I was married to one of my husbands for 10 years and that's mm -hmm. because I wanted desperately for it to work. Right. I wanted to be settled in a home and have the kind of life that I wanted to have. And But after 10 years, that went down the drain, too, because he started dating a friend of mine. <laughs> and I guess I kind of urged it on. You urged it on? Yeah, because she came to me one night. Well, uh... That's the friend that, you know, I think I told you about getting invited to her house and then they he kissed her. Right, 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 right. Yes. And so, but anyway, um, she came to me one night and she said, uh, can I tell you something? And I said, go for it. She said, I'm in love with your husband. And I started laughing. I said, well, you can have him if you want him. And I meant it. <laughs> but then, on the other hand, and I hated myself for it, I found myself getting aggravated, getting angry, because he did things for her that he used to do for me before we got married mm -hmm. and when we first got married uh and then he just stopped but you know he was doing all those things for her that he wouldn't do for me anymore and i was going somewhere with that and i forgot but anyway uh you know, Ma, I, was gonna... I, I encouraged it, but then when it was happening, I found myself getting pissed. <laughs> How did you encourage it, though? Because I told her, if you want him, you can have him. I said, go for it. <laughs> but I also told her, you know, I think you need to think about it. Because, uh, you know, I told her that I thought that she could work things out with her husband. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe that was possible, but then he kept, he wanted her to give up her computer and he wanted her to give away her cat. And when he wanted her to give away her cat, that was it. She just, um, she was over it. I guess she's partial to pussies. 
<laughs> oh well that kind anyway <laughs> um, you know you just have to laugh yeah because if you don't you go crazy oh yeah and <clears throat> you would think that With 30 years under my belt, it would be easy for me to act objectively. And I might very well do that in the heat of the moment. But at the moment... I don't want to act objectively. All I can think about is how I'm feeling right now. And that actually scares me a little bit. I think if you weren't talking to somebody that you knew personally, um, you know, you might be more objective. And I, but I, I think normally you are. No. So don't beat yourself up. No, no. I mean, I see what you're saying, that my objectivity goes out the window if I'm talking to someone I care about. But you're saying over the whole 30 years, you, you, haven't, you don't think you're, you've learned to be objective. Not completely, frankly, no. And if I can't, if I can't be completely, not completely, but for the most part objective, can you imagine a victim who's going through this sort of thing? I was listening to these women tell me what they, what happened to them. Yeah, and you just wanted to kill somebody. And, you know, I wanted to reach through the phone and grab them and say, hey, stop, I'll protect you. You don't have to cry anymore. But see, I think I would be worried about you if you didn't feel like that. But see, at least you admit it. But a lot of counselors, they go through that. And, and I think it hits them the same way a lot of times. But and they but don't admit it. To, yeah. And it colors their, it colors their decisions, their way of dealing with the situation, with the person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're right. I think the fact that I can 
admit it to myself kind of gives me that one-up advantage. I'm glad I said something that made sense tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, and I thank you for that because I really felt like I was useless there for a second. But you make a good point. The fact that I can admit it would give me pause to be able to deal with it if it came up. Exactly. But it's hard. It's really hard. And I think you're right. I think if I am talking to someone I care about, it, objectivity just flies out the window for me. I mean, I try to be objective as a friend. Uh, you know, I don't have any degrees or anything like that, but I've had counseling. Mm -hmm. and, um, but I mean, I, I try to be objective when I hear about a friend going through something and then, and, and it's tough, especially if it's a friend of yours, it, it's really difficult. Mm hmm I was just going to make another point, and I completely forgot. God. You don't Honestly. think of it after we go off the air. I know, and that's the worst part, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Because you can't come up and say, God. by the way. But, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Uh, yeah, folks. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about this, and here's another example of my objectivity just flying out the window. Because I think I get more what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I think I get more concerned, more caring towards women than I do the men. Who are suffering equally. Part of that probably is because. Gender bias. You hear, well, maybe somewhat, but probably because you know more women that are abused than you do men. I'm but I've kidding. met some, I've met some that are being abused.
I've met some. Yeah. But I mean, overall, you know. You... Yeah. I mean, I can honestly say overall, it has been the majority of women that have come to me with abuse stories. In fact, most of the men that come to me come to me with sexual abuse stories. You know, I had a feeling that was it. Because I know men who've been sexually abused. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was one time, this was, there was one time even before I went to college for this. I think I was still in high school at the time. And we went up to a friend's uh, cottage up north. And him and I were talking, just chatting. And, you know, we weren't drinking because I didn't drink at the time and he didn't drink at the time. And somehow the conversation swang to him being abused by his uncle. And how he hadn't even told his wife about it, but he was telling me. And he wanted to make that point clear. And that I shouldn't tell his wife. I think my daddy was sexually abused when he was in jail. Your dad was in jail? Uh, yeah. got picked up a couple of times for DUI and, you know, uh, and DWI mm -hmm. and <laughs> that's interesting but he never got accused of child abuse or anything like that did he no uh uh Was he a good-looking man? Uh, you know, it was hard for me to imagine him being good-looking, but apparently he was because women were just nuts over him. Oh. So he was kind of like a pretty boy type thing. Yeah. Which would make him completely attractive in the jail cell or a jail environment. And it worries me that I'm thinking like that. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm not sure that's something I should be espousing out there. Um, well, having, 
Oh, holy shit. Um, and I'm glad I'm not espousing that because we we are way over time. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I was that. I wasn't and worrying I about the time. I kept meaning to look at my watch and just got to yeah. talking. And... Um, guys, if you've uh, if you've been suffering thus far, I appreciate you guys listening. If you've enjoyed what you heard, uh, please hit that like button. Show us that this episode at least means something to you. Um, and if you want to talk to either one of us, we are here. We'll both be glad to listen. Mm-hmm. You can message us on Facebook or Twitter. Or just send us an email. Whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com? Or you can contact Monica directly at coffeegal62 at gmail.com. That's coffeegal62 at gmail.com. So that'll do it for this week's snap. Um. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make an announcement that next week we are going to start airing the Blind Handyman and the Blind Like Me show. I'm looking forward to those. And uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for Art, Monica's show. Thank you. I was just fixing to that <laughs> well you know um and it's a special show because somebody's got a case of the sleuths yeah mm-hmm. and i've even and it, got more more sleuths mm-hmm. and it's a serious it's a serious case that antibiotics is not going to help <laughs> Uh, and on Monday, uh, you guys can catch, uh, uh, oh my God. Mail. Wow. I can imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, folks. I I lost my mind there for a second. On Monday, I'll be interviewing Tim Cuneo, um, who I've 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 tangled with on the Blind View a few times. Um, him and I have very different uh, outlooks on life, but we are good friends. And uh, I interview him on Monday. And uh, make sure you guys catch Mel's Travel Guide tomorrow afternoon at 6. Is it? Yeah, 6 p.m. 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah 6 p.m. Eastern. Monday, though. Sorry? I was thinking she was Monday. 
Yeah, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Tomorrow. Tuesday at 9 a.m. Australia time. And I know that because Mel told me that was the case. I so she's Monday instead of she's Monday instead of tomorrow, right? Sorry, it is Monday. Oh my God! Yes, the interview with Tim Cunio and uh, Mel's travel guide is on Monday afternoon and Monday evening and to Monday morning. Oh, God. Wow, today's show has really got me tangled up for a loop. The series is Monday morning at 10, and then Mail's Travel Show is on Monday evening at 6. I knew there was a reason you co-hosted this show with me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad Uh, you know there's a reason. (laughs) uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Guys, again, thank you for uh, being here today. And uh, please come again next week on behalf of Monica and myself. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.